to you. Uh, especially, I want to welcome uh, those particularly who are online, so I'm going to look at that s- screen. Uh, a welcome to you. Uh, welcome to you if you are with us uh, from home or hospital, wherever you may be, you are very welcome, and God is with us wherever we are, isn't he? Yes. He is, absolutely. So, warm welcome to our service this morning. Um, I'm going to be leading, uh, Chris is playing the music, leading the music, and Ursula is preaching this morning. Today's service is a communion service, uh, the third Sunday in Advent. 
Uh, children will be going to their groups very soon, uh, and Ian and Harriet, I think, are leading them. It's their Christmas party this morning. Very jealous. I'd like to be joining them. Sounds great. Okay, so a few notices. Uh, there's quite a lot of posts building up in the pigeonhole, so please do check. You may have a Christmas card in there or two, so please do uh, check after the service. Uh, talking of which, there's a Christmas card that has arrived from John and Ruth Tiller, uh, which says, To everyone at Christchurch, with love, and thanks for all the help and support you have given us, we have settled, it, settled in very happily uh, into their new home in Hereford. So that's uh, from John and Ruth Tiller. I'll just leave it there for now. Uh, carol service tonight, 6.30. Uh, very welcome, obviously, bringing family, friends, uh, neighbours, uh, to that, so uh, do come a little bit earlier than 6.30 because hopefully there will be quite a few people here. Um, thank you to all of you who brought donations of uh, chocolates, mince pies, mulled wine. Um, it's wonderful. There's a whole array in the church kitchen, so it's wonderful uh, to uh, be shared later on. Next Sunday is Christmas Eve, and our services are going to be at 9 o'clock for Holy Communion, Four o'clock for our Christmas Eve crib service, and then midnight uh, service is at 11.15 p.m. You're also very welcome to uh, the Vicarage for an open house event on Wednesday between 3 and 6 p.m. Come and go as you please. Now, we're going to light three of the Advent candles. I've done this myself so far, but I would love a volunteer to come and do it for me this time. Is there somebody who'd like to volunteer to light some Advent candles? And there hopefully will be some words on the screen that we can join in with. There you go. So do join in the words that are in slightly more bold type. In this season of waiting, of longing, of looking for you, Lord Jesus, to come into our world, we are seeking light. In our own lives, we are seeking light. In our neighborhoods, we are seeking light. In our families, we are seeking light. In our work, we are seeking light. In grace, we are seeking light. In our nation, we are seeking light. In our world, we are seeking light. Jesus says, seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Ask, and it will be given to you. We say together, Jesus Christ, you are the light of the world. May we have eyes to see you and ears to hear you. Come into our world today. Amen.
I said the children are going to go, be going out very soon. In fact, they're going to go out now. So um, have a great time in your party. Let's pray God's blessing on them as they go, shall we? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time of year. Thank you that we can celebrate your birth. Thank you for the children, part of our church family, very important part of our church family. And we pray your blessing on them and their leaders now. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, as they um, gather themselves to go, we're going to stand up and sing two songs, which Crystal lead us, Light of the World, and then Emmanuel, O Emmanuel. We'd like to stand to sing.
Do have a seat. Going to now just spend a very short time saying to God that we haven't always lived his way in our lives and uh, asking his help to do that. So there'll be some short responses on the screen to join in with as we come before God. Heavenly Father, you call us to prepare for the coming of your Son. Forgive us our unreadiness to receive him. Lord, have mercy. Lord Jesus, you were proclaimed by John the Baptist. Help us also to prepare your way. Christ, have mercy. mercy. Holy Spirit, you speak through the prophets. Make us attentive to your word. Lord, have mercy. mercy. And so, Lord, as we now come to hear your word read, and your word preached, we pray that our hearts would be ready to receive you afresh. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I must have not checked with John Hitchings if you're ready to read. You're not ready to read. Okay, so I will do the reading and then Ursula uh, will be preaching. So the reading is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 to 24. Paul says, Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject whatever is harmful. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. So let's pray for Ursula as she comes to speak to us. Father, would you bless Ursula uh, as she comes to preach. We pray your hand to be upon her, your spirit to rest upon her, and for us to hear and obey. In your name. Amen. Thank you, Peter. Good morning, everyone. So, why the move away from the Isaiah passages of the first two weeks of Advent to Thessalonians, I wonder? I suggest it's because here, in the earliest of Paul's letters, possibly written only ten years after Jesus' death and resurrection, we read not only of the return of Jesus the second coming, but also of how we should live as believers whilst we wait. And Advent, of course, is a time of waiting. 
I doubt that Paul thought when he was writing these words almost 2,000 years ago that the church would still be waiting today. Or that the divorce by much of our society of Christmas from the true reason for celebration as it becomes engulfed by the marketing and buying frenzy that has seemingly lost all connection with any sense of spirituality. Advent, a time of preparation, to take time out perhaps to do a self-audit of our lives. And Paul holds up these final verses in Thessalonians as a checklist, a mirror to our lives and asks of us, how are you doing? How am I doing? Today, in particular, our topic is drawn from one of the shortest verses in the Bible, just two or three words, depending on your translation. Pray constantly. Pray continually. Pray without ceasing. But the wealth contained in these short words is immeasurable, pure gold, an inheritance that continues into eternity. We know that Jesus prayed. We read that prayer is a theme that runs throughout the Old and New Testaments. Numerous verses exhort us to pray. If you look up definitions of prayer, on Wikipedia or the internet, you'll find that virtually every speaker has his own definition. And maybe that tells us something, that prayer is deeply personal. But rather than run over various definitions, let's hear what the New Testament has to say about prayer. Philippians 4 verse 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, With thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And Mark 11, 24, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Romans 8, 26, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings, too deep for words. And Matthew tells us, but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who is in secret will reward you. James says, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. And Matthew again says, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation For the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And then Colossians echoes our theme this morning. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Prayers of confession, of intercession, of deliverance, wordless prayers, and of course the great prayer of the church throughout the ages taught to us by Jesus himself. Our Father who art in heaven, the Lord's Prayer. Jewish practice was and is to pray three times a day, as well as the set prayers of blessings for celebrations and for special days. 
In this short verse, we see and read Paul radically shifting the prayer goalposts. Pray constantly. Yes, pray the set prayers, the liturgy, the intercessions, the confessions, but there's more, so much more. Pray constantly, he said. How? How are we to be like the men in Jerusalem who spend all their waking hours praying at the temple wall? Or live as hermits in some rocky wild outcrop away from civilization as some of the early saints did? No. This injunction of Paul's is set in the context of living in community, of living in the culture around us. So Paul must be thinking of something else. Peter tells us that we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. And Romans tells us that if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. What do these and many other similar verses tell us? That we have a special relationship with God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Not only does the Holy Spirit inhabit our very being, but we are changed people. Our humanity is intimately connected with God. We can call him Abba, Father, And James tells us that if we draw near to God, he will draw near to us. Augustine of Hippo was maybe thinking of this verse when he said, Thou hast made us for thyself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds its rest in thee. And he also said, To fall in love with God is the greatest romance. To seek him the greatest adventure, to find him the greatest human achievement. What can we take from these quotes and scripture passages? We can understand that our relationship with God is not sterile, but is active, is alive each moment, and that we have a uniquely personal connection to the Godhead through the Holy Spirit and the new covenant. So how and can and does this impact our prayers? Throughout the centuries, one of the things that has been neglected to some extent in Western Christianity is perhaps the depth of what prayer was and is and could be in the believer's experience. Depending on our theology and inclination, there has maybe been an emphasis on liturgy, or intercessions, or deliverance, or charismatic prayer, or focusing on the weekly prayer meeting, or following study notes, or doing the daily office, or the daily quiet time. All absolutely wonderful and good. Good practices. All valid and useful in the context of our prayer lives. But 
there's more. Pete Gregg, the leader of the prayer movement, said one day in prayer to God, I lead an international prayer movement. Pray 24-7. But is this all there is? God's answer to that prayer was to lead him on a journey into an ever-deepening prayer life, to discover the heights and depths and breadths, the limitlessness of prayer, that there is so much more to prayer than intercession, so much more than our particular denominational bias might have taught us. There is a rich inheritance of prayer we can learn through practices that date from the earliest days of the church. The 17th century monk, Brother Lawrence, who said, I make it my business only to persevere in his holy presence, wherein I keep myself by a simple attention and general general fond regard to God, which I may call an actual presence of God, or to speak better, an habitual, silent, and secret conversation of my soul with God. To be in his presence. A continual conversation of our souls with God. Have you ever met a couple who have been together for many years? The depth of their love and their relationship means that they understand each other to a degree where there are times when communication between them is wordless. They almost seem to be one. When one of them is absent, we still sense the presence of the other. There is a connection between them that defies explanation. That example is just a poor shadow of how our relationship with God is supposed to be, could be. How our conversation, our inner prayer life is supposed to be. A transcendent connection that we are constantly aware of, constantly aware of his presence, in constant communion with him. Is this possible for each of us? Or is this depth of relationship with our Heavenly Father only for the few for saints like Brother Lawrence. I don't believe it's just for the few. Otherwise, why would Paul tell us all to pray constantly, to be in constant communication with our Heavenly Father? A habitual, silent and secret conversation of our souls with God. How, though? How do we develop such a depth of relationship with God in prayer? Maybe a question to ask ourselves is, where do I pray from? Is it largely with my intellect, my head, or is it with my heart? Most prayers, of course, will be both. But I might suggest that often our prayers are more intellect And perhaps at times rightly so. As we think of issues where we long to see the intervention of God in our intercessory prayers. Our hearts are moved. But perhaps we compose our prayers and desires from that head place. 
and trust the influence of the Holy Spirit. But what if we move from majoring on head to heart, to relationship, to a wordless conversation, to be in God's presence? To allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us deep within our being, to transform us, to experience something of the depth of transcendent relationship with the Almighty, the relationship that we are created for. God is always present for us. Are we present in relationship with God? I sometimes think that prayer life in our modern world has become transactional. If I pray twice a day, fast regularly, pray for 24 hours, go to prayer meetings, shout loud and long enough, then surely you, God, will. And of course, these practices are good in their context, but let's peel away the layers. What's at the heart of our prayer life? Is it transactional, intellectual, a duty, or is it relational, coming from a place of living constantly aware of his presence? In Matthew 11, Jesus asks of us, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Come away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and walk, work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me. And you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Where do we learn those unforced rhythms of grace? How do we learn to keep company with him? By living constantly in his presence. By coming to him through prayer. And as our prayer life deepens, we begin to understand deep within ourselves what it means to live constantly in his presence. To live in relationship, to keep company with God. Imagine how if we as individuals all were on a journey to discover such a depth to our prayer lives, to be constantly aware of his presence in our lives, to have that constant silent conversation in the background going on with our almighty God. How the life of our church would be transformed. How our prayer gatherings would be transformed. After Kevin Roberts preached on prayer a few months ago, so many of us expressed a desire to deepen our prayer lives individually and corporately. But how? We catch glimpses, don't we, 
times during worship when the heavens seem to open, times when we read our Bibles and verses seem to take root and speak to the very centre of our being, times when a phrase from scripture or a hymn constantly comes through to mind, or times when the breath of the Holy Spirit seems to blow our prayers to the eternal throne room. Let's turn to the prayer experiences of the early Christian church. Yes, all those aspects of prayer which were so familiar to us are there. But there is more. There's the place of silence, of engaging body, soul and spirit in prayer, of shouting, of bringing all all that we are to prayer of those special times where prayer is deeply personal between us believers and God. A place of intimacy and relationship, a place of nurturing, of deepening connection, of being present to and with our Heavenly Father. Immersing ourselves in Scripture, allowing Bible passages to search us Keep us on the road that leads to the eternal city, our destiny in Christ, and keep us secure in our prayer lives. And as our prayer life matures, we increasingly sense the movements of the Holy Spirit deep within us. In giving time and space to God, we are touching the holy and birthing a life of continuous prayer within us. All of this might sound very esoteric, but to close, let's get practical. How do we, do I, peel back the layers and get to live in relationship, in constant relationship, and get to the heart of prayer? I'm sure that James has a shelf full of books on prayer, new and second-hand at Illuminate. And although books can be helpful, it's not all about reading books. It's about finding that place to be with God. Setting regular time aside to be in his presence. To cultivate and grow prayer within us as the Holy Spirit leads and allowing the Holy Spirit to shape an inner, constant prayer life within that will be unique for each one of us. And in doing so, learning to live in awareness of his continuing presence with us, of constant communication. There are the prayer practices of the early church, Lectio Divina, or divine reading for those of us who didn't do Latin. Or there's the Jesus Prayer, for example. But if you explore these, don't just read about them. Take time to do, to experience the richness that believers throughout the ages have known. We have folk in our church who we know have a rich, deeply spiritual prayer life. Seek them out, and if they're willing, spend time talking and reflecting on your prayer life with them. 
but most of all, express your desire to grow in prayer to God, to our Heavenly Father, because I know that that is a prayer he will answer. Amen. So we're now going to pray in a particular way. We're going to uh, have some intercessions. And so in these prayers, when I say, let us pray to the Lord, would you respond, Lord, have mercy. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. I'll leave some pauses in uh, some of the prayers for you to lift your own prayers to the Lord. So let's pray. Watchful at all times, let us pray for strength to stand with confidence before our Maker and Redeemer. That God may bring in his kingdom with justice and mercy. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. That God may establish among the nations his scepter of righteousness. Let us pray to the Lord. 
Lord, have mercy. That we may see Christ in the scriptures and recognize him in the breaking of the bread, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. That God may bind up the brokenhearted, restore the sick, and raise up all who have fallen. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. That the light of God's coming may dawn on all who live in darkness and the shadow of death. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. That with all the saints in light we may shine forth as lights in this world. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. We commend ourselves and all for whom we pray to the mercy and protection of our Heavenly Father. Almighty God, as your blessed Son, Jesus Christ, first came to seek and to save the lost, so may he come again to find in us the completion of his redeeming work. For he is now alive and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. And so we come to share the peace. The peace that God has won for us by dying on the cross for us. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. The peace of the Lord be always with you. Let's share God's peace with each other, uh, respecting, of course, those who still want to keep some distance. Let's share the peace. And so as we prepare to share in communion, we're going to sing a well-known carol, uh, this offertory song, As With Gladness, Men of Old.
The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God.
continue our normal custom of sharing the bread from the middle table and the wine by the side. Well, not alcoholic wine will be on that side.
Christ keep you in eternal hope. Amen. And the blood of Christ keep you in eternal hope. Amen.
like to practice a carol with a congregation? Is that correct? You don't have to be a carol. Okay, so no, no, don't practice on a carol. I thought that was the case, but that maybe isn't. Um, the other thing is to say, um, Libby just shared with me something um, which I think is, is worth, I think, saying without... I'm on. I'm on. I'm on my end. My end of all. It's on as much as I can get it on, John. Um, I will speak up then. Oh, we've got three things to do before. <laughs> um, is that better? Can you hear me? It's certainly on my end. Anyway, I'll turn this off. Um, without being contrary to the preacher in the slightest, um, I think sometimes we can think we've got to be an expert at prayer. We don't. Prayer's a gift, isn't it, Ursula? It's, it's a gift that God gives to us, and uh, it's simply lifting what is on our heart to him. I think that's, that's absolutely what it's about. So if you're worried about praying, don't worry. Just lift what's on your heart to the Lord, because God hears, doesn't he? So, um, okay, so... Uh, Tell us, Ian, what have you been doing? Do you want me to go for this one? Yeah, okay. Can you hear me okay? Yeah. Good morning, everyone. What we did at Children's Club is we read the traditional Christmas story, and about an hour after uh, Jesus was born, the shepherds visited the angels visited, and the wise men visited. Um, any chance? Ah. You, you've all seen the traditional family photo of the stable with the shepherds, the wise men, the angels, and all the animals uh, gathered around. And then we ask the important question which theologians have been grappling with for ages. What happened next? Did Joseph go up to the shepherds and say, Hi there, I'm new here, do you know of any woodwork which is going? Or did they have a celebration to celebrate the birth of a baby that was going to change the world forever? And we decided they had a bit of a celebration, so that's what they did. They made party hats, because every single party, you always wear hats. And they're going to have a bit of a small party afterwards, after the service. Just to say thank you, because the children this year have been absolutely amazing. And I think it would be great if we could just give them a round of applause. Just <laughs> yeah. Wonderful stuff. Okay, a final blessing as, as we go, as we share in fellowship, and as we join in uh, a wonderful service later as well. May God the Father judge all merciful, make us worthy of a place in his kingdom. Amen. May God the Son coming amongst us in power reveal in our midst the promise of his glory. Amen. And may God the Holy Spirit make us steadfast in faith, joyful in hope, and constant in love. Amen. And the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, rest upon you and be with you this day, now, and always. Amen. And so go in peace to love and to serve the Lord in the name of Christ.